Welcome to PR360, a weekly public relations podcast where we bring on the best and brightest minds in the PR industry. We discuss the important topics that you need to know. Tune in every Wednesday to find out. Hosted by Brett Dicer and in partnership with Global Results Communication. Find more information on globalresultspr.com. And welcome to a new episode of PR360. And I'm your host, Brett Dicer. If you could please subscribe to PR360 on all your favorite podcasting apps. Leave a five-star review if you like this podcast. But this week, we're going to be talking about healthcare, healthcare tech, all the fun stuff we take for granted now, like Google Google Health, like Apple Fit or Fitbit or whatever else that is entailed with healthcare tech or health tech. But this week I have Pearson with me and she has 20 years of experience in the public relations marketing of, for companies, clients, including industries for advertising, media, technology, and nonprofits. She's currently the director of marketing communication for health and wellness advertising agency, Albinson Taylor, and she's done few other things in the healthcare or health tech industry as well, but welcome to the show, Pearson. Thank you. Glad to be here. And the first question I asked all my guests is, are you a coffee or tea drinker? Okay. And I'm going to give you probably one of the more unusual answers you've gotten, which is neither. I have never had a cup of coffee in my life. Um, I've had some sips and um, it's all right. I love the aroma, but I got my lovely mug here. And um, I'm going to use it for water. <laughs> um, I sometimes have some chai tea, but I just get the jitters when I have any caffeine. So um, I, I forgo the, the java. Believe it or not, I have had a few that say neither. So you're not, really? you're not alone. Okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. We should start a support group. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Sometimes you like it. Sometimes it has really adverse effect. Caffeine is the weird thing where some people like me, I could have it any time of the day and it really won't affect my sleep anymore. When I first started, yeah, it really did affect me. I was like, uh, I can't have it too late. But now it's just like I can have it any time of the day and I'll still go to sleep. Yeah. Have you ever seen the experiment with the spiders where they gave them different drugs, cocaine and different things and caffeine and then watch the webs they spun? And the, uh, the caffeine webs were completely wacky. So I don't know what that means, but maybe cautionary. Fair enough. And I gave a brief summary of your expertise, but can you give our listeners a little bit more about what you do? Sure. So uh, I've been in public relations since right out of college. Uh, that was my first career choice. And uh, I've done PR, pure PR, communications, marketing. I've done a lot of focus on health and wellness, though I've also uh, had spans where I've covered mostly technology, consumer goods, entertainment, hospitality, nonprofits. Uh, I've been in-house. Uh, I was at one um, company for uh, 11 years in-house um, for a uh, the American Physical Therapy Association. So doing health-related PR. And, uh, and then I've worked uh, at agencies. And then uh, most recently I was in-house for a technology, health technology company. And now I will be working with Abelson Taylor, and that is a, a health and wellness advertising agency. So uh, I've had a varied career. Nice. And then talking about communication programs, have they changed with the health and wellness industry? Have we seen a little bit more of a change? Because I feel like for two years, everybody's like, ooh, I better actually care about my health. Oh, sure. Sure. Well, definitely. I mean, we've all got bodies, so it's something we can all relate to. We all need to be concerned about our health. I think 
just like with all areas of comms and PR, uh, health has moved away from traditional media. Periodicals have shrunk. Uh, even, you know, they've gone exclusively online. Even medical journals now um, are, are online. So th that's a bit different. Um, but there are more avenues for medical journals. And now there are some that are, you know, formulate strictly have always been online. So um, there's been some opportunities that went away and some that uh, have emerged. And then technology has become a huge part of healthcare with digital therapeutics and tests, wearables, sensor technologies, platforms for health research and patient care. You were you know, mentioning some of those earlier. So now a new market, a new target audience for health is technology uh, blogs and influential um, publications. So, so again, more opportunities have uh, opened up for health-related stories. And then what kind of messaging has been resonating with your target audience when we're talking about health wellness? Has it been like, like trying to like get to your ideal weight or whatever it is trying to do? Because I mean, we're always trying to like be for the most part as healthy as we can be. Obviously we don't want to be like sick all the time. So right. is there any type of thing sure. that is resonating? Maybe it's generational. Like, have you seen any type of that stuff? Well, obviously it was all COVID all day, all the time for a couple of years. So it was really difficult to get anything in the news cycle unless you had a COVID angle. And Fortunately, I, I don't know if you can really say that, but uh, I, I was working for a health technology company that was doing health research, and we segued into doing a lot of COVID research. So uh, that was obviously, a, you know, a, a, a strong um, lead for anything that I was pitching is, is the, the COVID technology, uh, screening, testing, tracing, using technology, that sort of thing. But you know we've all got bodies. Um, we can all relate to being sick or well. So testimonial stories always have strong appeal with media and consumer audiences as well as B two B, because B two B companies they they want to sell their technology. But first they need to reach their customers, who are also humans, and we're all concerned uh, at minimum with our own health or our loved ones' health. So telling stories about health and wellness products how to improve your health and well-being, that's a solid opener for customers as well as media. Uh, and, you know, as it's always been the case, I think um, messages that make overarching promises about cures and instant results, um, they're always met with skepticism. So messaging generally should be conservative, I think, when you're dealing with uh, health and, and medical media. Um, and there is an abundance of health information and unfortunately misinformation so consumers are really grateful to sources that can help them make informed health decisions. So I think it's paramount to establish your brand as one that's credible and reliable with your subject matter experts who inspire trust. And um, in return, you get the loyalty from your audience. So it's almost like the snake oil effect of like past years where everybody's like, it will cure everything. And, you're, and everybody's like, wait a minute here, sure. wait a minute. I don't know if it'll cure everything type right. of a thing. Is that kind of like our skepticism now because of our past, almost well, more American past, but the American past of the snake oil salesman, does that have still have an effect on healthcare and everything? Oh yeah, absolutely. And it, and it depends. I have actually done PR for uh, some 
health and wellness products where they, they wanted that hyperbole. They wanted sort of the, uh, the excitement and hype. So um, it depends on your product and what their brand reputation is. Generally, I've worked more mainstream with health companies and they go with a more conservative approach. So they avoid, and, and in general, we avoid saying the word cure for anything. We say management and treatment of whatever condition or illness, um, but we, we generally steer away from promises. Because so it's, uh, it's a lot about uh, basically the wording of it. So basically, because if you say cure, people have a connotation to cure, like it will cure my ailments. But if you say treatment, you have a little bit more wiggle room to say like what it specifically it does. So you have to get into the nitty gritty of language is what I'm hearing. Sure. And, and I have done PR for um, vitamins and supplements before, and we had a very strict glossary of what we could say. And supports was a, a common terminology. It supports brain health or, or, you know, supports musculoskeletal, uh, recovery, that sort of thing. Gotcha. And then what has been the most impactful content you have created in 2022? Well, uh, I do a lot of internal and external communications. And I think the internal communications have been extremely important over the last few years. Uh, and, and also communications has parlayed into recruitment marketing campaigns and HR and managing culture and morale. So I think some of the most meaningful communications that I've created has been around the impact of the pandemic on all of us. So I create a lot of content around the, the new normal of remote workplace culture and staying connected. And um, I develop a lot of talking points for C-suite, for all hands meetings, those sort of things, internal and external newsletters, videos, social media. So uh, it, my, I've been, really successful, I think, with uh, trying to bring people together and, and talk about what we're commonly going through. And I think a lot of people are missing human connection and these touch points really help them feel part of a community, even if they're separated. Mm. So, I mean, basically what I keep on hearing is it seems like internal comms had a bigger limelight in the past two years than previously because it feels like previously everybody's like yeah we'll do an email newsletter or try to do something and now it's like okay we really need to focus on like making sure employees are safe and well taken care of absolutely well I, I, we had a monthly newsletter at, at my company and when the pandemic happened we started going weekly <laughs> so we went from monthly to weekly and then after things settled down, we went bi-weekly and then we went back to a monthly schedule. But things were pretty intensive and it was anything we could put in there. We had everybody send in pictures of themselves with their pets at their workstations. Um, we talked about what's your new pandemic hobby, you know, recipes, whatever. We just uh, weekly had, we were chock full of content and, and people were devouring it. We we use SharePoint as um, our platform for our internal internal newsletter. And we would see when that went out, even though we only had 150 employees, we'd had, you know, 750 hits within an hour of uh, distributing the newsletter. So people were going to it and, and reading various stories. So it was um, really evidently needed and very successful. Mm. 
I mean, that leads into my next question about that, about the blogs and the email newsletters. Have you seen like a, people still want to read that stuff. People want to see that stuff. Or have you seen more of a video centric people would rather see a video instead. What have you seen with doing all that stuff? Well, uh, definitely. I think these uh, blog posts, email newsletters are still important. Some of the most successful engagement vehicles I've created recently and over the past few years have been blogs and newsletter stories. Um, I think this is in a world where still the majority of people in technology jobs are working remotely or in a hybrid setting. So they seek out this content to stay in touch and abreast of their industry. Uh, and you know, some of the, the major technology companies, you know, Apple, Microsoft, Shopify, Slack, Spotify, Upwork, these are all still working remotely primarily, if not exclusively. And, you know, something like um, globally, 16% of companies are fully remote. And um, 62% of workers age 22 to 65 um, work remotely, at least occasionally. So, you know, there's a big audience of people home online, and that's where they're consuming their information. Nice. And then, I mean, moving to Google, Google actually, and this actually past week, this is where I read that they're going to focus on content quality and content depth in their SEO. So do you see more of a transitioning from like, I know link building is still important and all that stuff, but you see a transition from more links and more of what it was keywords and everything to more about content based SEO instead. Yeah. I am very anti uh, content farm and I believe, uh, you know, PR pros are always saying content is king, but really quality content is king. So I think it's, always been the case for true engagement and conversion, you know, schlocky content that sounds like it ran through a translation program will always fail to inspire your audience's trust uh, and their confidence and ultimately it's patronage. So I think, you know, cruddy content may serve as a clickbait and lure interested parties to the page, but once they discover it's low content, um, they'll not only leave the page, they'll remember that experience and associate your company with poor quality and that ultimately damages your brand. So, so I think it's better to put out fewer high quality pieces than crank out high volume with low value. So from, from like Google's SEO side, I mean, people used to like cheat the linking building as well and try to do low quality. Is this Google's way of doing the same thing with, with content now with doing high quality content and focusing on that? for SEOs. So the quality content goes up and ranking just like quality link building at the same time. Sure. You know, maybe this is an unpopular position for a PR person, but you know, I say great about time because I would rather see more quality content out there. There's just so much pollution. So, um, you know, I'm all for that. Mm. And then how events change for your industry? Like how have you adapted to the changes? Have you done more live streaming type of a things? Have you done smaller events? Like how is this changing? Because I mean, it seemed like everything was changing, even like the guidelines, everything was changing weekly. And it's like, how do I keep up with all this? Right, exactly. Well, certainly there've been fewer in-person events uh, and, and particularly in the health sphere, because obviously if you are representing health brands, you're not going to put people at risk. So some of the first conferences to cancel were health-related uh, conferences. Um, uh, but, you know, there's been a huge evolution in the quality of virtual events. 
and webinars, um, virtual panels are much more or less expensive to produce and to attend. Um, they'll never be as engaging as in person or I think yield the same benefits of that spontaneous networking that happens in person uh, and people will still crave that kind of interaction. Uh, but you know they, they, they have had their place and they've worked very well. Uh, In-person events are returning and unless we have, uh, heaven forbid, another unforeseen surge or a new pandemic, I believe that we'll probably go to back to probably at least 80% of pre-pandemic levels. Uh, I think a boon has been that now there can be dual offerings of in-person and virtual, which meet the needs of more people. So you can select which, which you want, way you want to attend. Yeah. And then, I mean, with that, do you see PR pros or even event people start to use like LinkedIn audio, LinkedIn audio is starting to do more event audio type of things. Do you see that as like an additional to your event? Because I mean, we're always trying to find the next way of trying to help our events become successful. I mean, I'm not saying that social audio is taking off. It actually is dying down, but do you see it being somewhere of a niche for that as well? Well, so I, I admit, I don't know much about LinkedIn audio specifically, but certainly the popularity of podcasts continues to explode, which means consumers are increasingly interested in audio offerings. And I, I, I know, you know, Buzzsprout in 2022 did a study that said 62% of the population 12 years and up has listened to a podcast. Roughly 79% are familiar with the medium. Um, 80 million Americans are weekly listeners of podcasts. So podcasts will continue to be huge. There were things like Clubhouse that initially got a lot of people excited and had upwards of 10 million users, but they've slowly declined in the last year. But you know, some new features are coming out, like the TED Talks uh, on Clubhouse and high-profile users like Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg on there have gotten a lot of uh, sparked a lot of enthusiasm. But I, I think it's worth exploring other social audio apps, Discord, um, stage channels, Facebook Live audio rooms, Reddit Talk, Slack hurdles. There's you know some, uh, so many coming out. Twitter Spaces, you know, all competing with Clubhouse. So I think it's it's worth. Why not have another medium out there? But uh, you know, I, I I wouldn't say um, that that is going to be you know the new blogs and the new uh the newest hot content but it's, it's one format we can use yeah i feel like it's more of a niche now than anything i think the pandemic made it like really popular because it was something new and something interesting to listen to but i feel like the clubhouse made it so unpredictable that, the, that people didn't know what was going on because everybody could talk in the room and that's never productive when there's too many voices sure. all right agree yeah and I think Twitter is the only one that's really actually innovating it beyond Clubhouse. I just recently saw that they're going to be adding more podcasts into Twitter. So they're doing interesting things to it. And I think Facebook was like, now nah, we're just going to try to become TikTok. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, it's a, the highest form of flattery, right? To, to copy. It's been successful. My, my son's a TikToker and uh, it's addictive. 
I sit there and hours go by. I'm like, wait, <laughs> what have I done? I'm, I've got so much to do. And, you know, these, these are thrilling. <laughs> Fair enough. And I mean, even with that, could healthcare companies utilize TikTok or shorts? I, I recently was listening to a podcast that is saying we should call it longs and shorts. So long form and short form. So do you think healthcare and all that should utilize shorts or from YouTube shorts or anything like that to help with more of the messaging and the content? to be more high quality or at least to get the younger users? Yeah. Well, it, it depends who your, your client is. If it's an IH, if it's a, a, a high profile, high status organization, they're probably not going to go to shorts like that. But these TikTok doctors who dispel myths and things like that, and um, they've become extremely popular. And so it's definitely a forum for some people. It just depends if you're a right fit for that format. Nice. And, and then fun question for you. If you could create a health and wellness company, what would you create? So, uh, I thought about this. Uh, I have always hated glasses and contacts. I'm not wearing any today, but I normally have to wear glasses and they're always slipping down your nose. And so, uh, but if you do wear glasses, uh, I would love to have some that were smart glasses, that maybe were somehow fluid, that they adapted. So let's say you go into a new lighting situation, or you know there's temporary fluctuations in your vision. Can even be the kind of the way you sleep on your face can change the shape of the eye and change your vision temporarily. So I would love to have glasses that adapt and you wouldn't have to keep going every year to get a new eye exam because they would just change and adapt to the shape of your eye and the conditions and uh, always be perfect. And instead of going to the eye doctor and um, using that machine, the, the Proctor, I think is the name of it, instead of having that, basically your doctor would tell you, this is the right prescription. I, I know what you're seeing. So here is the right prescription for you based on your eye instead of us trying to guess was that one or two better one or two better you know yeah so you almost want that would be cool yeah so you almost want like google glass but a little bit more into the actual glass so basically like you don't notice it's a smart glasses without wearing them yes it's correcting your vision every moment every turn if you look down because you know i have trifocals now it's invisible to someone looking but my glasses have distance and a medium and then reading on them and i would love for just the glasses to adjust wherever your eye is looking and give you the right vision and i think it will it will happen one day one day and they'll say i was a visionary <laughs> pun intended too uh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> and where can people find you online? Well, on LinkedIn, I'm K Pearson B, and the same on Twitter. My handle's K Pearson B, so I'm there and uh, love to hear from people. Final thoughts, actually, for our listen listeners. Well, uh, sure. You know, PR is a moving target, and we all need to stay on top of how our profession's evolving and keep our skills refreshed and utilize learning opportunities like this podcast uh, to stay current on trends and techniques that work. So, um, you know, I think as professionals, we should not undersell our role and our clients and our company's success. 
Um, I think PR can help build a strong and sustainable company in a myriad of ways. And we have our finger on the pulse of what's happening in our industries because we monitor news and trends. And um, we're often the first to know what's hot in the market, right? So um, our council can bring insight to company leaders and we can build reputation, credibility with our quality content. We can help recruit and retain talent that supports sustainability. Um, we are essential to the business success of our clients and companies. And the way that our profession continues to change, I think, is a great thing because it's bringing us more opportunity and expanding our roles and our essentialness to companies. So, you know, thank you for being here as a vehicle for us all to learn and to support each other in our PR journeys. Of course, that's what we're always here for, to support each other so we can learn and grow because PR is all about changing and learning and growing sometimes a little too quickly, but hey, you got to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Roll with the changes. And yeah, and thank you for joining PR360 and sharing your knowledge on healthcare, health, wellness, and all of those industries. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. And thank you for listening to PR360. As always, please subscribe to PR360 on all your favorite podcasting apps. We've got five-star review if you like this podcast. And join us next week as we talk to another great thought leader in the PR industry. All right, guys, stay safe. Get to understanding just quality content and your employees internally for internal comms. And see you next week. Later.